welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm your co-host, Leah, an everyday runner interested in women's wellness, and this is Making Her Runner. Here, we speak to coaches, athletes, and subject matter experts to take a deep dive into the world of running as a female athlete. Through the insights of our guests and the lens of personal experience, we look to help you improve your running and enjoy every step of the way. Wherever the road or trail may take you. This is how runners are made. How runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. How much or why this is is a thing is is that if you think about a a warehouse that is, I don't know, it's making cotton wool. I don't know what it's making. And you've got a thousand workers there, but those thousand workers have to make 10,000 balls of cotton wool. As we age, we lose muscle mass. So, so think about this warehouse. That warehouse still has to make 10,000 balls of cotton wool, but now they only have 600 workers. So those workers are going to be working extra time and overtime to get that, that output, but they've got less resources to do it. And so that's the loss of muscle mass. That's why you're constantly feeling tired. So if we can do strength training to really, if you do enough strength training, you can reverse these effects of aging. Nicola. Hello, Leah G. My gosh, can you believe we are at the end of 2023? Yeah, it's been a scramble of a year. It's uh, disappeared beneath our feet from all the running that we've been doing. And now all the swimming that you've been doing. You've been taking some time off after your marathon. Yeah, look, um, it definitely wasn't how I thought the marathon recovery would go, but maybe it's how it's needed to go. I am actually really enjoying the the swimming and the gymming. Don't um, say that too loud. <laughs> I'm only getting two run <laughs> sessions in right now, but hey, um, I will actually say that out loud because maybe there is somebody who's listening to this who is also ticking over. Maybe you're doing a lot less than what you're used to doing in the year and maybe feeling some kind of way about it. I know that I, um, it hasn't been the easiest mentally to come off such a great year of training mm. and then kind of like simmer into December yeah. um, it comes with a bit of mental pressure but but hey it's nice to cross train it is it is quite a difficult thing to mentally prepare yourself for a little bit of deload but physically the body just craves it and you know what you've done and what a lot of runners don't do is listen to their body you know this is not the time to be pushing the body um i know a lot of people are trying to get the december training in so that they're in peak physical condition to start the year but if the body is not up to it you know you got to learn to listen to it and i think you know a little bit of cross training getting into the pool working on your breathing doing some strength and conditioning spending some time off of your feet on a bike all of those elements as we've learned throughout the year with all the fabulous guests that we've had on really do add to your running to add a different element to your running and it's something that every runner needs to be doing and let's chat a little bit about your goals for next year um, because I know we obviously had a, a catch up with myself and Davey so we know where we're sitting at but what are your goals going into 2024 i know we've got some big ones and we may have entered to it let it let the guests know into it well you guys kind of um jumped the gun there i I wanted to keep that secret for a little while longer just in case i decided to pull out um but i have actually taken the plunge and signed up for the big c like you said in the last episode it's bizarre that comrades a, is what you're talking yes, about yes it is bizarre that a comrades official document actually has my name on it i still can't believe it um so yeah that i guess is the biggest goal but 
it is also kind of secondary to wanting to run a good marathon in March, April. And should that happen for me, if I do make it to March, April and the marathon training has gone really well and the body's feeling good, then I know I will be able to continue to the start line of comrades. And I am also very mentally prepared for the if not, if the body does start showing signs of mm. injury and illness, then I know that it's just not ready and I'm okay to take another another year of training to get there. I'm not going to force the body. And I think what, what we've learned this year um, from our guests is really... <sighs> You have to listen to the body, echoing your points right there. And strength training is key. And I have never felt more assured of that than after our conversation with our guest today. Yeah, our guest today, guys, it, it was obviously today we're talking making her runner. It is very much a female topic that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, and something that, you know, is a bit taboo. A lot of people don't like to bring it up. It's often seen as something that we, you know, we don't like um, to, to, to have ladies go through. And, and, and as gents, we often misunderstand this topic. And, you know, we, we, a lot of things can be blamed onto it. So I think it, it was quite refreshing to hear Shauna Hendricks, um, her take on on the topic of menopause and perimenopausal uh, situations, and <laughs> to, to call it that, and uh, you know. Shauna is an extremely well-spoken individual. She is extremely knowledgeable around the topic as well. Um, we'll explain a little bit more why that is the case. Her history, while well, she's a sports scientist, she works as part of the Coach Parry team. Um, she is a strength and conditioning specialist as well. So uh, as you can imagine, we do speak quite a bit about the importance of strength training. But the really, really cool thing that Shona is be uh, has been up to is she has been writing a book on on menopause uh, so that makes her quite an expert around mm. the topic and that was fantastic for us to have her on and I mean we chatted about many different aspects of that topic what can our listeners expect from this conversation well as you've said there Shona is just such an excellent practitioner um, she you can hear in her confidence in the conversation she knows her craft backwards and forwards inside out and um, her mission is really to, to zone in onto the specialized phase of a woman's life that as we've learned and should know is inevitable. Like you said there, it has often been seen as so taboo and there's so many um, negative connotations with menopause, but she's working so hard to champion for a positive way of looking at this stage, arriving to menopause well and making the best of our menopausal years. And in this conversation, what a listener can expect to learn is exactly how to adapt your running and training to make sure that you are supporting your body through menopause and not demanding too much from it. And that goes right through from training to recovery, to sleep, to strength training, nutrition. It was an absolutely mm. valuable, such an impactful conversation. Honestly, my best of the year. Yeah, and not only that, we also touch on how you can still achieve your best possible running years after menopause. If you're someone that is only starting to run in your postmenopausal years, it is okay. You know, you can still achieve great things with your running, and it's a lot about understanding your situation and being able to supplement your body, give your body what it needs, and and just keep on working consistently, knowing that there are people out 
te lakshana who will be able to guide you and assist you along the way whether it's through her personal side of things or coaching as well as the book that she is writing so for me it was quite an enlightening conversation i really enjoyed the free-flowing nature of it mm-hmm. and i hope that you guys do too uh, i mean i'm sure that you guys will so without any further ado i think we are going to go straight into the conversation again guys this is the last episode of making her runner making her runner for the year 2023 uh, we thank you again for your support we are going to be back early in the new year with a brand new spanking season with some awesome guests lined up already so we can't wait to bring that through to you uh, as always you can get in touch with us on our socials at making a runner or you can even pop us an email at info at making if you have any specific topics that you'd like us to cover that we haven't quite covered yet or if you have any constructive feedback for us we are willing to take all of it both for myself Davey and Leah and speaking of emails your email newsletter that you have come to look forward to will also return to your inboxes come January and as Nick says whatever you are doing this festive season make sure that you do actually lean into whatever the body's asking for take in some notes from this awesome conversation and if you are a gents and you've listened up until this point well first of all thank you because it is important that um, we have both genders championing for this cause and I promise you you'll learn a thing or two about your own training and how to maybe supercharge and supplement that as well so here's shona hendrix for sure guys have a great holiday season and we'll chat to you guys soon here's the episode enjoy shona thank you so much for being with us here today and making the time available so close towards the end of the year i'm sure it's a manic time but thank you so much yeah thanks uh, nick and Nia. thanks for having me uh, some some awesome conversations to be had so always willing to to make the time even though i know it's end of the year and, and people are getting tired but uh maybe that'll give them something to listen to on their on their break for sure for sure we're very excited to have you on today talking on on the making her run a segment uh, about a topic that is largely misunderstood by women in general and and men that are listening to the podcast as well um, but perhaps you, before we get into the topic you can give us a little bit of background so that our listeners know who they're talking to and why you have the expertise to give us a bit of information about the topic Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Uh, yeah, so my name's Shona Hendricks. Um, I work for coachperry.com. So I work with Lindsay and, and, and Dev and the rest of the team there. Um, I'm a sports scientist by, by, by trade, essentially been a sports scientist for the last 13 to 15 years. Give away, give away my age there. But, uh, yeah, and, and, and really been, been in all sorts of levels of, of sports and sports performance. So from a development level with, with the national women's football team, all the way up to elite with, with someone like, like Bridget Hartley, Caroline Wassman, who won comrades in 2015, also worked with Sean A. Bosman. And I've worked very closely with Lindsay with a lot of the elites that he's worked with in terms of monitoring, monitoring the athletes. But in terms of being the expert, Experts in in this, uh, people often ask me, well, you know, you, I'm 39, and, and so what do I know about menopause? But really, just my journey was I've always just been passionate about women in sports, and the more research I did on women in running, uh, the more I saw that menopausal, peri and postmenopausal women um, are just almost forgotten. There's no research, nothing is done, and they kind of just left to the wayside. And so, hence, uh, hence the journey of, of my own journey of going and studying and, and really just trying to find out more information on it. And in particular for the peri and postmenopausal runner, uh, because I just think there's so little out there. Brilliant. Thank you for that little little intro because we're obviously going to get stuck in a lot more. But something that you haven't mentioned as well is the fact that you do have a book coming out, which I mean, to, to go and write a book about a topic, you got you got to dive deep into that, that topic. You got to know everything about it. So tell us a little bit about the book. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, book's been two years in the making, uh, and as you say, lots and lots and lots of research has been done. Uh, I have dived into all sorts of research, scientific literature that's out there. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, it's like there isn't. You know, there's there's a lot out, or there isn't a lot out there. But what is out there? I've really tried to to dive into, and and then there are a few experts out there who are really kind of championing this movement forward. Um, and and so I've really tried to. Uh, you know, listen to their their talks and they they read their books because there are a lot of books coming out as well. But yeah, the book is essentially focused on 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 menopausal women, but running in particular. So it's called Running and Menopause, and the goal being just to really just give women or females who are going through this, you know, some 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 good practical tips on how to feel better during this sort of phase of life. Um, you know, really good tips to, to enjoy and, and maintain activities of daily living that might be changing and, and to, you know, fight your way through the symptoms and how to make running not feel like hard work all the time. It's actually so exciting to know that something like that is yeah, coming out and sure. in a body that is oh, a few years away from menopause. But I think it's a good place to maybe start with defining menopause. What is menopause and what are the physiological changes happening in perimenopausal women? Awesome. Yeah, Leah, so exactly that. So people use the terms quite interchangeably, right? So perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, we tend to bounce those around and that's, and that's fine. Essentially, when we're talking about perimenopause, we're talking about or let's do this. When we're talking about menopause, essentially that is the point in time in which you haven't had your menstrual cycle for for twelve months consistently, right? So twelve months, no breaks in between there, no menstrual cycle. Perimenopause is then essentially the years that precede that, and then postmenopause the years thereafter. And essentially the 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 main you know when people always say, "Oh, I'm going through menopause and it's the hot flashes and all the different symptoms," that's more than likely the perimenopausal phase. Um, and but that's really because the physiological changes that are happening there is that where your hormones were once perhaps working very in sync with you know normal life and you maybe had like quite a usual menstrual cycle over over the, the years now those hormones are all changing and and they're no longer working in, in quite a cyclic fashion they tend to just move very acyclically acyclically that's a word and uh, <laughs> and then eventually they they tend to to sort of just flatline so the estrogen and progesterone in particular start to flatline and those are two really 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 important hormones in terms of muscle synthesis you know and what we use for running and and daily life and so that's where all these menopausal symptoms then start is is in that perimenopausal phase and then after that those hormones tend to have such a massive effect on things like muscle mass bone health, and all the things that from a just activity of daily living that are really important, let alone then when we consider running and maintaining health and fitness as well. So for me, understanding as an outsider, so menopause is a normal occurrence that happens in females. Um, sort of what age ranges are we looking at? Because I know it, it's quite a wide varying age range and also surely the health of that individual when we also refer to perhaps the female athletes that uh, you know is pushing a little bit too hard early on in their career and they are perhaps not getting their menstrual cycle for over a year um, how does that get classified does it get classified as menopause no good 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 point so yeah exactly the ages we, we're talking here are generally perimenopause will be between the ages of of sorry, 45 to 55. Um, but there's obviously some deviation on that. And uh, anything that's 
perimenopause below 45 is deemed as early menopause. But for the most part, you, yeah, you, those are few, few and far between. And for mostly perimenopause is between 45 to 55 years old and then postmenopause thereafter. So 55 plus. Obviously, yeah, if, if we're talking a younger athlete who perhaps isn't getting uh, their, their menstrual cycle, I mean, then, we, then we can have a whole other discussion around <laughs> red S at some points as yeah, well. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. And, and, that's, and that's quite key because, you know, and we can go into red S at, at another stage perhaps one day. But but the problem with, with menopause is very often the menopausal symptoms are very similar to the red S symptoms. And so the, people get misdiagnosed when they're going through menopause with red S, which is a concern um, because they don't think that it's necessarily low energy availability or so on. So, so yeah, we, we just need to make sure that we are uh, really focused on the menopausal uh, runner to make sure that they are eating enough and getting all, all their enough nutrients for what they need to do for running. But yeah, those are the sort of age groups that, that we're focusing on is, is, is essentially, I almost just like to say from 45 up. But we, we, yeah, we, mu- we must just touch on essentially, you know, that, that yes, this is menopause and I don't want anyone listening to now be like, oh, well, you know, I'm 35, I'm not going to listen anymore. I think there's so much that we're going to dive into that will just, you know, be very useful no matter what age you are to set you up for a good and healthy menopause moving forward. I think that is so interesting to kind of draw the similarities and the differences between perimenopause and red S because like you said, there are so many overlapping symptoms. One of them particularly that I could imagine is the low energy availability. And as you said there, the the perimenopausal phase is more so where you will be experiencing symptoms. But in preparation for this podcast, something that really struck me was menopause doesn't end when the symptoms end. You going to the postmenopausal phase, but it's not something that you're going to recover from. It's now a new state of being. So one, a two-part question is, how do we arrive to menopause better so that the effect is, I guess, smoothed over a little bit, if that is possible? And then how do we honor our body in this new phase of life so that we can continue in this new phase knowing that you know this, this is where we're at now and we have to find ways to work in this space? The great questions that, and essentially they have the same answer because, um, let, let me, let me say this that I think the biggest side effect, or it's, it's not even a symptom, but the biggest side effects of menopause for me that is, that is, uh, devastating is essentially the loss of muscle mass and, and the loss of bone health, right? So you can start losing bone, bone health. Uh, we do start losing our bone health in our late twenties, right? As females. So that's already something that's happening, but it just, and it works out to, I think it was two to 3% of bone health a year. Um, you know, from, from as a, as a young female, when you're in menopause, that jumps up to, uh, four to 6% of your bone mass per year, which is, you know, so that's double and that, and it's just astronomically down. And that's why osteoporosis, osteopenia, you know, um, Osteoarthritis are, are, are so much higher in uh, peri or in postmenopausal women, and osteoporosis. And I'm not trying to say this to scare people, but osteoporosis is is has a very high correlation with your mortality rate. So we see that when in people when they when they when they break bones, their mortality, you know, you, you, your mortality rate goes up. And so just from that aspect of ensuring that we have a strong foundation of our bones um, and, and ensuring that we're not losing muscle mass. And so muscle mass is also a, a general sort of decline over the years between your twenties and your thirties. We lose muscle mass just linearly from forties and fifties. It becomes an exponential loss. So it is, it is, it is 
it's drastic and it is quite a scary sort of thing to think about. But that is why the things that we can do now, if we can look after those two aspects, if we're not even talking about running at the moment, you're just looking after those two aspects, you're going to be setting yourself up so well to feel healthy and strong in that time. So I always like to give an equation, you know, if, 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 if there's a person A and person B and they have exactly the same physiology, but one person does strength training as an example, and they get themselves, person A gets themselves really, really strong in their early 40s or up to in their early 40s, and person B doesn't do much, but they're going to lose bone health and muscle mass at the same rate. But person A will obviously just have so much more of a, of a head start, if you can put it like that. And so... The things we do now in our in our late twenties and early thirties and late thirties really just set up set ourselves up so well for our menopausal years to ensure that we can just look after those two main detrimental factors. A lot of the other symptoms are that's not a blanket approach in terms of what different females go through what. You know, so there are some females who are very fortunate and they actually don't struggle with symptoms. They they fine and you know, kudos to them. They they ride that wave. But there are obviously females who then struggle with many symptoms. But there's no one blanket approach to sort those out. Um, menopause hormonal therapy can help with some of that, and we can we can touch on that as well. But but the two main aspects that are detrimental are loss of muscle mass and loss of your bone health over the years. So let's get into the running side of it. Then let's let's go more towards now the symptoms. Um, what would be the most common symptoms that? you know, women can experience during perimenopause and how might that influence, first of all, their running as well as like their, their general routines uh, of life? Yeah, so the biggest things that I see with, with the clients that we've worked with and we've we've had over a thousand uh, menopausal, perimenopausal sure. runners come through, come through our Coach Perry platform and so we've seen a lot of these but the two biggest symptoms from a running perspective are that affect running is, is, the, is fatigue and so it's just this constant tiredness or one day I feel great and then the next day I feel absolutely shattered um, and then Again, this isn't a symptom, but it, it's a it's a byproduct of that that loss of muscle mass. So they feel like they're getting slower all the time. So they they're training harder and harder, but they they're running is just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, and that is an absolute direct correlation between the loss of of muscle mass. And then the third thing are, the, are some of the other symptoms, like I want to say. Uh, that affect their running. Essentially, they don't get to recover well enough. So, you know, they're not sleeping well. So insomnia or light sweats. And so that affects their running the next day. They're not really excited to run because they're tired. Um, and so those, those are almost just side effects of menopause that indirectly affect the running. Um, but yeah, definitely the, the loss of, of would, let me not, let me say this, let me speak in, in runner's language, just feeling like my running is hard work and feeling like I'm constantly getting slower because that is, those are the, those are the things we hear all the time. So we're talking there about the direct symptoms that people might experience. Obviously, mm. obviously that also has indirect um, effect on their performance, both from a, a speed perspective, as we're talking about, as well as their endurance. Um, now, yeah. would you would you say that it's more likely to affect one or the other, or will it affect both at the same rate? Um, because obviously losing muscle mass might not necessarily affect your endurance as much. Um, how does that work? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and I've seen I've seen both. Uh, where where yeah, exactly. The speed tends to be the 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 first thing that tends to go. Like I just don't feel like I can run as fast as I used to. I can run for long, but I but I'm getting slower at it. Um, but but in, from an endurance perspective, there isn't a direct. Uh, you know, obviously 
males and females are their endurance will get worse as as they age and so that's 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 not necessarily a direct effect of what is happening hormonally for females that they're getting slower um but they but yes as we age we we do tend to lose some endurance but i do think that that is more of a direct relationship to to the loss of muscle mass but i think also with with the changes in hormones it's just like i say some days you feel great and you feel like you can go and you're but other days you you don't know what's happening, but I think inside your hormones are haywire. And so you're like, oh, I'm just actually, you know, I'm not in the mood today. I'm constantly tired. I'm, I just don't feel great. And then the other thing I'm in postmenopause more so is, is where we start to pick up a, a couple more injuries. Just again, you know, that's got to do with with bone health. Um, and, the, you know, some of the changes with, with estrogen flatlining eventually your ligaments just don't have that input to, to, so your ligaments become quite lax. So they don't have that assistance from estrogen anymore. Um, and the same with your bone health, your, your estrogen is so important in looking after the bones. It helps calcium get absorbed into the bones. And so we do tend to see uh, a higher rate of injuries um, in, in, in this sort of phase. Would you say they also, it then also affects how you recover post run? So just Obviously, we're talking about the injuries related to running, but recovery post runs, we know how important that is to get you prepared for the next session and progress as a runner. Um, How does it impact your recovery? I know you mentioned sleep, uh, but Mm. what are more physiological ways in which it it affects your your recovery? Uh, It it definitely does, again, because, you know, estrogen – I think as, as a society is always given estrogen such a bad rep, right? It's always like, oh my gosh, there's too much estrogen. Women are moody, blah, 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 <laughs> which I, which I really, really want to change the narrative about because estrogen is so important. And so, um, it plays a massive role in muscle resynthesis. It's a fancy word. Essentially just means muscles building themselves back up. So making themselves stronger again. And, and I think the key thing, and this is across the board is that people don't really realize that why recovery is so important. And we've, we've said this to Coach Perry so often, but you start getting the benefits of the training you're doing while you are recovering, right? So the body breaks down when you're actually doing that exercise. And when we recover, it, hel- it helps get itself a little bit stronger. For menopausal females, there's less assistance physiologically from estrogen because it, it's, it's fluctuating and eventually it flatlines. So we're not getting that normal physiological assistance from, from our, our, our hormonal system. And so we have to focus on recovery even more than we would normally. Um, and so within that, you know, we, uh, recovery, like we mentioned from a sleep perspective, but every day sort of recovery, which I like to call acute recovery. So what are we doing every day in our session? How are we running? Are we running too fast? What are we having after our session? So the nutrition we take in after that, those are the key aspects that I think we, we, we should be focusing on to ensure that we're not feeling shattered all the time and, and, and risking injury from there. So we can uh, sort of manipulate those variables so that you don't always just feel exhausted and you can still start seeing some improvements in your running. It's actually just mind-blowing to understand how important estrogen is in this whole picture from how we feel, how we show up, how we're able to train. And it makes me feel like it's something that I really want to protect now in my fertile years if we look at how all of these different stages are classified and from what you've just said there I can understand that okay maybe I can get away with a lot more in my late 20s early 30s but then as I start progressing through these different age categories 30s 40s I really do need to adjust my training in a way that I am 
recovering appropriately. And when I'm starting to see signs of fatigue and injury and niggles, perhaps it is an indicator that something is awry with estrogen. But without diving too deeply into each one of those phases, um, mm. with zoning in on estrogen, I think this is a good point to ask. What role does hormone replacement therapy play in this? Um, and is it something that you would advise for runners? Obviously, it is very unique um, and subjective. But where do you stand on the matter? And yeah, just clue me in. I guess I know very little and I'm sure I'm not the only one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And look, let me just say, I mean, I'm not a physician, so I'm a sports scientist. So these are things that need to be discussed directly with with a, a an endocrinologist, a gynecologist that specialises in in menopause, something you know, something like that. From from what I've read and understand, uh, these you know these are, are principles. And so what has always come through over and over and over again in the scientific literature is that this isn't a one a one approach suits all, right? So it is always going to be very individualised and never a blanket approach, which I think is very key to mention. But and 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 just before I go into the, the nitty gritty of it, one of the things that I quite like that's that's changing, and I know it's semantics, so so don't, you know, don't get me wrong here, but hormone replacement therapy is the word that has been used all the time. We want to try and just move that word to they they're using the words uh, menopause hormonal therapy because we want to get away from this fact that women are constantly losing something and you know things are bad and you know it's a natural it's a, it's the equivalent sort of thing as going through puberty, you know, so it's a natural phase of life and and I think women have just constantly been made to feel like oh I'm less I'm losing. You know, so I know that's semantic. So from hormone replacement therapy to menopause hormonal therapy, just to mention that, but everyone does know what HRTs are. So, um, you know, again, uh, it's not a blanket approach, but I, I have seen personally with the athletes that I work with and some of the studies that I've read that it has very good um, results in terms of helping you deal with the symptoms of menopause. So the hot flashes, the night sweats, the, the fatigue, you know, but it doesn't and it won't have an effect on your, on your strength and that loss of muscle mass and your bone health. So very, very good to help with some, some symptoms to help you feel better and what you're going through and those changes. But we still have to really ensure that we're doing the work from a strength perspective. Um, and you know, when we're running and making sure that we're staying injury free and looking after our bones moving forward. Because as much as they've tried to, obviously, you know, this, this estrogen that you're taking has been created within a lab uh, and they've mimicked that exact molecule as much as possible. So physiologically, it can help some of the symptoms, um, but it, it won't make the changes on, on, on a muscle mass and, and, and bone health perspective. So I am... I'm open to menopause hormonal therapy. I'm happy if my athletes are, are taking it because from what I've seen, they've, they've felt better. Um, there was a study that came out in the uh, early 90s. Uh, it was called the Women's Health Initiative. And the statisticians who, who reported back on the study really did it no justice. And they, and they gave some pretty shocking they said they just said that uh, hormonal therapy will increase your risk of breast cancer, and it really was a bit of like scaremongering, and it was the the results were not read correctly, and and those are, you know, all of those studies have since been debugged, you know, and but I, the 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 damage that that sort of you know uh, study did was made a lot of women feel very scared about menopause hormonal therapy, and so I think it's I think it's key that this is discussed with your physician because there are obviously risks um, of breast cancer and so on, but it's not as extreme. I think the one of the things that I've read is that the the risk of getting breast cancer if you have no risk factors already, so no genetic risk factors, is the equivalent of drinking you know two glasses of wine a day. So uh, you know, so again, they just they they ma manipulated the stats to really make people scared. 
but those have all since been debunked. And so I personally find if some of my uh, runners are on MHTs uh, prescribed by their doctors and, and, and managed by their physicians, that they actually, they, they feel better. They don't have as severe symptoms and, and that allows them to recover well because then they're sleeping better and have more consistency with running because when you're not feeling great and you miss a session because you know you're just constantly tired there's just more consistency and then they're obviously getting better results as well i'm happy that you mentioned the mental side of it because we know how much the hormones play on on the mental health challenges that develop um so and we know how important running is and for a lot of women in managing those mental health challenges so it becomes quite a difficult situation because physically your body is not up to it and you know that that is what's going to help, but you just can't get yourself out there. Um, yeah. What are sort of some uh, specific uh, mindfulness or stress-relieving things that runners could potentially do, runners that are struggling from the peri- from perimenopause? And something I want to ask, we were listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about the perimenopause and the menopause. Why, <laughs> why is that? I, I, that I don't know. And actually, there's such a big difference between, between how they describe the menopause between uh, the UK versus the US, you know? And so, okay. uh, yeah, again, I, that, that I actually have no idea because we don't say the puberty, you know? So, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, so it's, it's it, let's just, yeah. I think that's that's just part of it. It's always just made it this massive stigma, you know? And, uh, and that's yeah. part of the narrative that we want to change is that it's, we need to see it the same way we view puberty, you know, and as a, as a good thing when, when young boys and girls are going through puberty. So, so the equivalent sort of way, but yeah, the mental health side of it is, is, is big. Uh, and I mean, I didn't even really mention that properly at the beginning, but depression is a, a big side effect of menopause. Um, uh, that is just due to different, the way estrogen and different, well, estrogen doesn't cross the blood brain barrier, but the way estrogen affects other hormones across the blood brain barrier and how that can affect serotonin and dopamine levels. So again, discussing that with your physician, I think is key because I have um, spoken to many of my athletes who, who have been prescribed antidepressants and when they are on them, then they, they, they feel better. They feel like they're able to run and tackle the world. But, you know, from what you're suggesting in a on a, you know on a, on a, a perhaps a more uh, acute level is is yes I think uh, I have athletes that that love yoga uh, love meditation um, I think the key thing is always just to say just do things that feel feasible because very often I find that that women in this phase just feel like everything is, is so much right so you either you've got a career and a family and and you know you want to run and you want to stay fit and it just always feels like nothing is, is is or everything is too much so I would say target little things so don't tackle Oh, now I must get up and, and meditate and have a journal and I must do my strength and I want to run and I got to get my kids to school and I still have running a business, you know, so all of these things, I would say, you know, tackle one or two little things that are, that are, are small and easy to do so that you feel better when you're doing them. So as opposed to looking at the big picture, take today and go, today I'm going to get up and I'm going to go for my run. Cool. Tomorrow I'm not feeling great. I'm going to go and do a yoga class. Next day, I'm actually feeling really tired. I'm going to take a day off and that is not going to be the end of the world because I, I have to have some more recovery as well. So I think just being very gentle with yourself in this time is an absolute key point because I think it's also just one of the pressures and the stresses that women are under all the time is just, you know, to be expected to go, go, go. And, you know, the constant mental load, um, which I think is really key. 
And also knowing that this is not a phase and yes, maybe some symptoms will subside, but this is a new rhythm that you need to find for yourself. So perhaps retreating from whatever it was that you were able to do and the group runs, maybe it is a time for a little bit more introspection and finding your own flow because I don't see any other way to keep doing what you love. And obviously we are speaking to the woman who loves running. We're not necessarily speaking to the woman who, yes, maybe somebody who wants to take it up because it is maybe a healthy way to manage these hormones and symptoms. Mm. But this is the woman who has come here, who is currently finding running tricky, who is maybe finding a, a lack of joy, a lack of energy, some niggles and stuff. But how do we get that woman to run well and continue doing what she loves. And I love the fact that you have suggested in that finding your own way. Um, we have spoken quite a bit about the, the role of strength training. It seems like an absolute imperative. But another way that um, I've come to understand that I can influence my hormones and feel better is through diet. And that's always a huge one. Whenever you go to a doctor, they're asking you, what are you doing diet and exercise wise? How does nutrition and hydration change for the peri and menopausal woman? Yeah. So from, from a running specific perspective, you, you, you stole two of my points. So definitely. So, <laughs> so strength, strength is, is, is the number one, right? So again, cause it just, it, it tackles all of the parts, you know, I'm not feeling good running. I'm not feeling good every day. I can no longer do the things I used to be able to do. So that is, that is one of the key things that I'll, I always just want to give an analogy because I don't think people understand how much or why this is, is a thing is, is that if you think about a, a warehouse that is, I don't know, it's making cotton wool. I don't know what it's making. So, and you've got a thousand workers there, but those thousand workers have to make 10,000 balls of cotton wool. As we age, we lose muscle mass. So, so think about this warehouse. That warehouse still has to make 10,000 balls of cotton wool, but now they only have 600 workers. So those workers are going to be working extra time and overtime to get that, that output, but they've got less resources to do it. And so that's the loss of muscle mass. That's why you're constantly feeling tired. So if we can do strength training to really, if you do enough strength training, you can reverse these effects of aging. So that's the first thing is that strength is so, so, so important for that, that reason. And to give you an example, I had a, uh, a lady on, on the platform that I worked with and she was running four times a week. Uh, she was a sub 30 minutes, sub 30 minutes, sub 28 minute 5k runner. Um, and she's also just frustrated, went up to 30 minutes for a 5k, absolutely frustrated. And we, but she couldn't fit everything in. So I recommend that you do at least two strength sessions a week, can do three, that'll be ideal. Two is better than one and one is better than none, of course. But so we, we made sure that she did, we took one run away and made sure that she did an extra strength session. So she got in her two strength sessions and she landed up dropping her, her 5k time under 27 minutes. So, you know, we have to start, like you, you mentioned, you have to start training smart now and, and working with these different aspects. And, and so strength training is absolutely one of them. Nutrition is. 100% uh, uh, one of the things that we drive home. Um, and then the two other aspects that I like to focus on are recovery and pacing. So making sure that you're not running too fast in your sessions, because obviously the faster you run in that session, the more damage that gets done and that, that affects your recovery. But the nutritional aspect, because we spoke about that high estrogen changes and you know it doesn't help necessarily with, with the muscle uh, recovery from there utilizing things like adding a little bit more protein into your diet so that you get that help when you are now doing strength training as an example, so that you can get that recovery aspect coming in. 
Um, and yes, you are 100% right on in terms of overall nutrition uh, and how that helps you feel better. Um, some of the things you know that we that I've read are things like more omega threes and omega sixes. Uh, so that's a lot of fish, um, sort of like salmony kind of fish, and that helps in high inflammatory phases. So if you are feeling you know just generally tired, and I do think we can utilize nutrition um, to. A, help us feel better, but B, really help set us up to, to be better in running and overall better better in, in just activities of daily living as well. Thank, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Rana. That was a great explanation. And I, I just want to ask you, because obviously you work quite a lot in strength and conditioning as well, as you were mentioning to us, even off air, uh, a lot with runners. And I know personally, I also work a lot with the strength side of it. So I just want to ask you and your opinion on strength in particular, because you know, there, there's strength and then there's doing the right strength and conditioning for your phase of your running in relation to your goals. So I want to just actually take this that route quickly. Just give us a little bit of an understanding in terms of when you're saying strength work, what are you referring to with your runners? And is, how does that differ for a perimenopausal or menopausal woman versus, say, a, a male athlete of that same age? Exactly. Yeah. Awesome question because we get this all the time. Like, oh well, Shona, I, I do do strength training. I'm like, oh, what? Well, what do you do? No, I do, I do, um, I cycle and I do Pilates and uh, you know, I hike. You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was set up. You know, exactly. And so when I say strength training, I mean resistance training. So, so pushing your body against a form of resistance. And so there are a lot of uh, people within this menopause space at the moment that are saying, you know, oh, you must, you have to lift heavy, right? I'm not anti-lifting heavy. We'll get there. I do think we have to get to that point because we have to move our body against a form of resistance. But if you've never lifted a weight, doing a body weight exercise is resistance training, right? So starting off, you know, you are pushing your body against a form of resistance. Eventually, your body will get stronger, you'll plateau. Then we have to add in uh, some sort of aspect that's going to push that body even further. So that could be using bands and tubes and 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 so on. And and those are those are also very effective. And then you're going to you know plateau, and then we will start adding in uh, some weights or whatever the case is to to keep building that muscle mass. So it has to be a resistance training. Is yoga resistance training? Yes, I think initially if someone is slightly weaker, yoga is resistance training. But then they will again, they'll get stronger and they'll plateau to a certain point. Um, Pilates is very, as an example, and sorry, I'm not coming down on any of these forms of exercise because I think they're all brilliant for running. But if you're wanting to improve your muscle mass and your bone health, you have to have a load on the bones and on the muscles. So Pilates, I think, is awesome for for running it, it, it helps with some general core strength and some glutes and some stability but again we're wanting to increase the workers in our warehouse and the way we do that is by by loading the muscles and the bones with a form of resistance and so for the gents the guys in our, in our platform who are over the age of 50 we recommend the same thing so loading loading the bones and the muscles with with a form of resistance but progressively so don't just go out there and start deadlifting 100 kgs you know you, you will hurt yourself so progressively working your way through um and and it's and the frequency is key so as we're getting older I advocate for three strength sessions a week, um, one of which I always like to have as a, a injury prevention, inverted commas, injury prevention session. So that is focusing on stabilizers, you know, smaller muscle groups, lower limb. Uh, I do a lot within the foot as well, which is, is, is very important for as we age as well. Um, and a little bit around upper body uh, sort of focus. Then I have a session that is slightly heavier strength. So this is the resistance training strength. And then um, we also have a higher intensity um, strength class, which 
as we age is important because we want to just help work on those neuromuscular, so the connection from the brain to the muscles out there. If you are a younger athlete, I recommend, you know, one to two strength sessions a week is fine. You you get by with that. It's it's, it's not something that you necessarily have to be doing as much of um, uh, and, and a similar sort of basis, I would say. More, you know, for a runner specifically, injury prevention and perhaps one that loads and builds muscle masses as well, especially if you're doing, you know, a race like Comrades, uh, you know, yeah. or, or Oceans where you need that 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 strength, uh, where the up comrades need the strength to get over the heels. Down comrades, the eccentric strength. And if anyone's run comrades, they know that it's neither of those is up or down. They they all the same. <laughs> they all hilly all the way through. But but yeah, so they, it differs slightly. But but I think the key thing is 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 that it's resistance it. training. That it's yeah yeah a doing it yeah yeah so the frequency. But you know it's not cycling, uh, cycling or rowing. Those those are nice. Hiking is great. It's good. It's nice for strength. But it's not. It's not resistance training. It's not what's actually really going to make you build lean muscle over over the years. And Shona, is duration important? Is there a specific amount of time that somebody should be spending on this? In these, we sessions? just. I mean, you know, I'm also quite realistic in life, and 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 I, I would love to be able to do more. But I mean, we we all write, we all have lives, and we all you know work hard and have kids, or you know whatever the case is. But so our, our sessions are 45 minutes. Um, three times a week uh, and that includes a nice long mobility warm-up uh the general session and then we do some what i call foot core so just working on the intrinsics of the foot the small muscles in the in the foot um and yeah so 45 minutes to an hour uh, will suffice um yeah so but again you know as i say with the over 45s or over 50s ideally three threes you know three is better than two two is better than one and one's better than none so i'd far rather someone does one session consistently for their season as opposed to one here then three here and then three there you know if you if you get in that in you're, you're better off than just jumping around haphazardly and in terms of like a training schedule where now you say you are one of those that is training for oceans or training for comrades where the the mileage really does start to ramp up at a stage in your running schedule is it more beneficial and can you hold the strength if you now say during this time where it's a little bit of a downtime you can do three sessions a week quite comfortably because you're not running as much but now come april may for comrades it's a bit more tricky then perhaps you can drop it down to more your prehab type work and not so much resistance is there a space for that yeah there definitely is and in particular, if you're a, a younger runner, right? So male or female, younger runner, that 100% periodizing that that's your running versus your strength is, is going to uh, really benefit you so that you're not always running on tired legs, which is important. Um, for an over 45, over 50, male or female, I would I would still like to say, you know, don't, don't neglect the strength because I think that's what tends to happen is just don't not do any strength at all. Mm. You, you, you'll be served better for a race like Comrades or Oceans by doing one less run and one more strength class uh, as, as, as you age, 100%, because of those loss of those strength workers in your warehouse. You know, you, you will get more benefits with a race like Comrades by doing a strength class as it is, you know, by dropping one run, you know, a week. So, um, yeah, the, the strength aspect as we age is just, it just becomes absolutely 
yeah, it's, it's a, non, a non-negotiable for me in terms of that. Um, I love it. Every time we talk to either Lindsay <laughs> or yourself now, we get uh, uh, we, we get an understanding of how important strength and conditioning is for running. And I think it's, yeah. it's known, it's out there. If you're a runner listening to this and you're not doing strength and conditioning, you really are missing out from uh, not only just from a performance perspective, but from an injury, recovery, all kinds, just general well-being, and as well as your long-term health with regards to your hormones. Um, you mentioned an interesting word there that I think a lot of runners don't really understand and periodization being, you know, the, the key thing behind any sort of running plan, uh, trying to make you as an athlete peak towards a goal. And obviously your strength and conditioning matches that. I want to ask you in particular, in terms of perimenopausal and menopausal women, Training modifications in terms of their actual running training. I know you mentioned a lot of sort of watching your pacing, mm. and but is there a specific formula? I know there's no blanket uh, term to it, but you know, would you rather then focus on building up more endurance, doing a lot more easier, gentle type work if someone is feeling fatigued, or would you try and push them past their limits? And you know, we got to retain the speed. We got to try to do more speed work because. That's surely what happens psychologically, but technically, is it the right thing? Yeah, exactly. So I, the principles remain. So we work off a, a 80-20 kind of principle, polarized training focus. So 80% of your runs are, are easy, you know, long, easy runs, um, whereas the, the 20% is your more high intensity. That might differ slightly as, as you age or, or as you're getting a little bit slower or older over time. You might do a little bit more long, slow, easy runs and, and a little bit less of the higher intensity stuff. And I know that sounds backwards, but the reason for that is because as you're aging, there's less recovery, right? And so the more, if you're just hitting it hard in every single session, you're not getting yourself ready for those sessions. So, you know, and, and so that's just the principle of it. When I say I would like our athletes to slow down a little bit, it's because if you're running too hard, so let's, you know, imagine if this is your spectrum of how hard you can run over, over the days. If you're running too hard, you're going to sit here and every time you're going to be hurting yourself. By the time it comes to you having to run a higher intensity session, you don't have much capacity to do it. And because as you age, you with less of those workers, you know, you, you, you don't allow those workers to get enough rest. They have to come back to work and work hard. Whereas if you run your easy runs a little bit easier, you allow yourself a lot more capacity to run your faster or your high intensity runs even faster because you're giving those workers a little bit more space and time to recover in between those sessions. So that's really important. So the principle remains of 80-20, you know, of 80% easy runs, 20% high intensity, but 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 how we do that is, is quite important. So in your easy runs, making those feel really, really easy. People always say to me, well, I don't think I can run any easier. And so if you really feel like that, Adding in a couple of walk breaks is, 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 is really good. And those don't have to be long, you know, 20 to 30 seconds, even just reducing that, that stress on the body makes a massive, massive difference. Um, and then from a periodization perspective. So when we're saying that, what I mean is, you know, how we structure our training, we may work on different cycles. So I know many of the training plans are four week cycles, you know, so you, you spend first week, then you build on the second week, build on the third week. And in the fourth week, you tend to come down and have a little bit of a, a deloading or a recovery week. Those are, those are still very, very good. I, I, I generally work on a four-week cycle with, with my athletes, but with my, my peri- and postmenopausal athletes who are really struggling with fatigue, I work on a three-week cycle. So build for one week, build for the second week, just deload a little in the third, 
they actually have the capacity to do more in that fourth week then, as opposed to just dragging that out. They then have the capacity to work harder in that fourth week as opposed to just constantly feeling tired and fatigued. So so we like to change things like that. But again, that's not a blanket approach. That's just based mm. on how people are recovering, how they're feeling, um, you know, what they're training for. And again, like you say, like now if you're training for Comrades or Oceans, now is not the time to be training for Comrades and Oceans. Now is the time you can really be focused on strength and, and mobility and you know you can the running takes a little bit less sort of preference. You're still running, but uh, but yeah, we can build that up as we get closer and closer to comrades Thank or you. oceans. And so those are also the only races. Yeah, so I'm sure you might have maybe you have some international runners, you know. And I like I love the international marathons as well. So yeah, this is, we will speak to other races as well. Mm. Shona, thank you so much for lingering on easy running. I think that it is something that um, is so underrated and often feared because like we're speaking here, especially with navigating these changes, you're losing speed, you're, you're losing, um, I guess, your edge. And that can feel really scary. So often we do push ourselves into that red ugly zone where we're really just asking our body to do so much more than it can. So yes, for the purpose of this uh, podcast it, easy is not a pace it's not a specific pace it, it, it is an effort level and it is very very subjective so if you are finishing your run and feeling knackered then you probably aren't running easy enough but now to throw a spanner in the works is one of the common symptoms that we have come to understand with navigating these menopausal changes is weight gain. Now, obviously, somebody who is fighting against weight gain mentally, physically, they have that temptation to push themselves harder and harder because the more I do, the, the better I'm going to get and I'm going to lose weight. I have to work hard at this. How do we navigate weight gain as a symptom from a physiological and mental perspective? Yeah, that's, uh, that is that is so true. And, and gosh, uh, one of the things I didn't even mention was the changes in estrogen do affect the metabolism in certain ways. One of the, the myths is that uh, as you're going through menopause, your metabolism slows down. Uh, there was a, a study that came out, I think it's two years ago now, that says that that's not actually the case. Uh, your metabolism only starts to slow down after 60. But that does make changes in your metabolism in, in that you can become slightly more insulin resistant. And so as we age, you, we tend to uh, have uh, – our fat stores tend to come more uh, inside, like more visceral, so more towards the, the organs of the body. And so that is harder fat to lose over, over time. And so what, what women will, will start to feel, and I'm sure those listening will know this already, is that running doesn't help anymore. They feel like that that easy running just, just never, they don't lose any of that weight. And so one of the the really, really key things, and I know I sound like a broken record here, but is, 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 by adding in strength training, you are, A, going to be burning more calories uh, than you would with, with, with normal running. If you're building lean muscle mass, your basal metabolic rate, so how much energy your body needs just to survive, just to sit here today, will go up because your muscles are essentially going to be constant. Your cells and all of that respiration is always going to be working. So your basal metabolic rate goes up. And so we've seen amazing results with, with women who have now added in strength training to help manage their weight over time. Strength training and then 100%, sorry, and I always start with strength training. And in this question, I should start with nutrition, um, you know, because the, the nutrition aspect is absolutely key. And and the the fear I have with this is that menopausal women start, what's the word, reducing or, or really going into very hectic kind of diets where they, uh, mm. you know, trying to reduce so much of restriction. Thank you. That's the yeah. word. Thank you. <laughs> so restrictive diets and 
and my worry with that and, and the, the, just because of society and what has been sold and people trying to make money on weight loss, you know, we believe carbs are bad. But if you are running and if you're doing strength work and more so if you're running, but, but you, we need carbohydrates. Okay. And if you are restricting yourself so much, what tends to happen is then your body, your body's clever. It goes, Oh, well, actually all I need to have these daily functions, my basal metabolic rates, it registers a lower level of that. It goes, okay, I actually don't need that much. So it, it registers that. And then when we, eat too much or we, you know, indulge a little bit or something, the body goes, oh, awesome. How cool is this? I'm going to keep all of that. So we have to ensure that we make, that we are giving our body the fuel it needs for the activities that we're constantly doing. So, cause women I find going through this phase can really find themselves in, in low energy availability. And if you are in that state of low energy availability for four days, it can really start having an impact on your performance straight away. So making sure that you're matching your your intake, how much food and fuel we're giving our body to the exercise and the output that we're, we're, we're putting out. Those two things need to match up for us to stay in a healthy state. When we're managing weight, of course, we want to balance that a little bit. But the absolute restrictive diets just put you in, an, in a state of stress. Uh, and your body is already going through so much in menopause. Uh, and the body doesn't always understand that running is a good stress. It just sees it as a stress. So then it increases cortisol levels and, and so on. So all of the nutritional aspects will have a massive, massive um, play on how you, how you manage your weight through menopause. Um, but a key thing is just... Just try and avoid the the absolute restrictive diets. I'm not a fan of my female athletes running in a fasted state. I don't I don't like it. I like that they feel their body for what that body their body needs in that session because we've just seen the the changes on the the hormonal system and on the you know menstrual cycles and uh, you know endocrine system from there is, is just detrimental with something like intermittent fasting or lack of carbohydrates. So. Strength and, and nutrition, or sorry, let me put it the other way. Nutrition and strength are the absolute key aspects to, to help you managing your weight through, through this phase. I think that it's actually so mind blowing because we think that it is so complicated and there's a thousand boxes to tick, but it's the basics that we've learned from day one. And if we are protecting what we have and fueling our bodies and honoring them and then asking them to do the work, we shouldn't technically be finding ourselves in a tricky spot because again just to emphasize menopause is not something that you've done wrong it's something that is going to happen it is natural it's 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 coming we're trying to understand how do we arrive well and how do we feel our best through a very tricky time and i think you've really done really well at helping us understand and unpack the tools that are in the toolbox i would like to throw a spanner in the works before we kind of wrap up here because it's a myth that's kind of been playing in my head here and especially like has been quite juxtaposition against some of the information that we've discussed today and maybe you can help me bust this myth or maybe unpack mm. it a bit but surely you've heard this in the industry where people say you know women are they strongest and they're best at running and they're gonna you're gonna do your best running at like in your late 30s and in your 40s but now you're also saying to me hey you might also be experiencing some symptoms that may make you feel like crap like what is that myth all about and is there any truth to it and why is it that way and how do we stay there how do we get to that best running phase and stay there yeah so that is that is completely true i mean most of the the marathon runners who are running really really well are you know uh 36 to 38 and that's and that's just what we've seen and and um i think that is because you you build up that aerobic engine over so many years and it's and it's um it's, it's just at the most effective sort of part so 
we start losing lean muscle mass in our in our thirties. So it is going to start going down. But as I mentioned, it it's, becomes exponential when from forty eight to fifty downwards. So so that's why that is such an important time. You're almost at our at our peak at that at that time between thirty eight to you know forty two for for marathon and ultra marathon running. The key to keeping that where it is because yes, you may be going through some symptoms, but if you're going through symptoms at 42, you're, you're early perimenopause, you know, mm. so that's, you okay. need to be making sure that you're, you're speaking to a physician then already. Um, but yeah, cause perimenopause probably from 45 to 55, but still, you're still needing to, to, to manage this, whether you, so if, if you're not early, early menopause, really, really, if you want to stay in that phase, you have to be doing, you have to change the way you train because you don't get away with as much as you did when you're in your twenties and thirties. So, really focusing on the strength training and, and, and the nutrition aspects of it. So you're getting good recovery and then focusing on your your pacing within your training plans and making sure that you're training within the right limits because we do just need to start paying, as you mentioned, just start paying a little bit more attention so we can extend that journey. Mm-hmm. And and I just want to say here as well that yeah, we are speaking about runners who have been running. Um but mm. you know if someone if someone is wants to be new to uh, the thing the thing is when people start thinking about weight management they think running which i don't think is the way forward right find an activity that you like and that's sustainable for you if that happens to be running that's awesome i'm saying that you know younger younger females should be doing lots of strength work and of course that would be amazing because you just give yourself that head start but it's never too late to start equally right so if you if you're only here and you've never done anything don't let your demise be absolutely done you know, we want to slow down that that uh, that demise or, or that uh, degeneration as as much as we can, and so it's never too late to start as well, um, which I think is is really really important. And just as a side note, again, sorry, this is a, a, a yeah one of our athletes on the platform. She was she has always been a runner. Um, she was I think her PB was an hour and two minutes. Uh, she was she is now 62 and she'd been on our platform for six months had done the strength training had done the slowing down of the running and the easy runs um and she landed up running a 52 minutes 10k so at the age of 62 took 10 minutes off her pb it's a minute per kilometer right so like you know and so so uh, yeah just just so if you're new and you don't regard yourself as a runner. I always say if you put running shoes on and you go left foot, right foot, left foot, you're a runner, right? And so if that's for you, then awesome. And if you fall in love with it, we will love that. But but yeah, just 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 ensuring that you're training smart. We have to change the way we train. That if you want PBs, you can get PBs, or if you want to run until you're ninety, you can run until you're ninety. The equally of those two things are are important for us at Coach Perry. I think, you know, Shana, what you're mentioning is very important because there is a lot of people that only come to running in their postmenopausal years. And I think, you know, it's it's great that they're joining these Couch 10 plans and they're, they're doing all the right things to get fit and get stronger. But oftentimes they're comparing themselves to males of the same the, the same age that have just started running as well, the progress there might sometimes be quite frustrating for, for a female. And it's just obviously after the conversation that we've had, it's, it's about understanding what your body has gone through and the fact that it has navigated all these changes. But the question that I want to ask is, can you hit your best running as a postmenopausal woman? Or is that a thing of the past? No, I think, uh, you know, it, it depends what your best is, right? So I know that's my, I, you know, every, every answer in sports science is always it depends, but it, but it <laughs> does in this situation. So, so if you've been a runner all through menopause, 
And if you've been a very good runner, and I say very good, I mean, let's say very fast runner rather, um, you know, if you were running 320 or sub three hour marathons as a female runner, to do that in, men- in post-menopause, likelihood is probably not. Um, and so for that athlete, we want to make sure that we just change the expectations and the mindsets of, okay, well, now I just want to make sure that this is my 2023 PB. Next year, I don't want to, I don't want to have a, a drop off that PB. So that's, that's how, for that mindset. But if you are, yeah, if you've just starting out, yeah, there could be some, like, as I mentioned with, with that one athlete, I mean, there's some, I mean, 10 minute PB on a 10K is, is phenomenal. So mm. I think there is an avenue to, to see improvements. We don't limit people at Coach Perry. I had someone ask me last night uh, if, if she needs to stop running half marathons. She loves running half marathons and, uh, she, you know, should she stop? And I, you know, that's not that I don't want to ever limit someone to say you're, you're done and this is it for you. Let's let's see how and where we can take you with the right training principles, right? So, yeah, we, we we're seeing male and female runners over the mm. age of fifty PBing, you know. So that's that's to say that it's not impossible, but it, again, it, it does depend on on a where you've coming from and 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 b, you know, also what you know what your what your goals are. Like I, I have some woman who 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 replied to me and just go, oh my gosh, I love that marathon. I like and she doesn't even care about her time, but she was like. She feels good. She's feeling healthy. She's feeling fit. She's feeling strong. It allows her to do really well in her in her life, you know. So I I, I sort of like both avenues. I love a performance goal, but I also love a, a health and and you know I'm I'm just feeling better. Yeah, like I yeah. can do things. So I definitely think that 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 is possible as as you age. Um, well, yeah, I guess it is. What both. what does your best running look like to you? Um, to you, yeah, that, exactly. That can always be reframed mentally. Yeah, I love that. So, and, you know, sorry, and I actually wanted to mention this again, just just around the different resources and 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 strength. And, and I know, I think you know, um, we've carried on about it, but we've we've put together a free sort of master's strength training plan. So that's for 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 males and females, um, because the principles are, are the same. And and um, I think we can add it into your if you don't mind next to it, maybe add notes, the link yeah. into into your your show notes, please. Um, for so sure. coachperry.com forward slash mar. Um, if we can add that in, because again, it's a it's a starting point. And if and if you are feeling, you know, ah, oh, because that's the other reason why people stop running is because they don't have the their body doesn't have necessarily have the strength to sustain the load of running. And so then they feel sore and tired and then they stop. And then they, you know, so that's, I would love to see people just, just come in with a little bit of a base and then be able to, to carry on with running. Because I mean, you guys are runners, you, you, you know how much we all love it. So um, yeah, that, so the, the strength and the running easy, if you're just starting out, those would be the two factors that I would say, you know, just, just to start off with. Thanks for that. I think that it's such a helpful resource that you're providing our listeners. So please do take advantage of that. Um, and I guess also what's important during this time, like you've said, they're managing your expectations, maybe changing your goal. It doesn't always need to be performance based and, and finding community and, um, yeah, just commonality with other people can, I guess, really make this a much more um, or, or much less severe experience. I think that there's so much joy to be found in this experience. And maybe it's because I'm 29 and I am currently <laughs> managing my body temperature. But um, I think it's an honor to age if we look at all the things that are happening in the world uh, to, to be able to get old, to be able to run and do what we love as we age is really such a joy. And if there are places where we can find community in that, 
what a win so please do go give coach parry and a follow and and connect with all of those resources do you have a facebook group as well is that a thing yeah 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 so we have a facebook group um gosh i'll send you guys that link i wouldn't know the name by heart um but we do also we are on instagram as well and so we've got the coach perry instagram page and then we've got um the menopausal runner instagram yes. page so it's the dot menopausal dot runner um which we've just sort of uh, got going now as well so yeah I, if i could just echo your points there Leah, because that's exactly it and we want to start you know just sharing uh information uh through those those social media channels because that's exactly it i just think that females are are just yeah, i want to say starved of information or good information everyone's always trying to sell females something or especially going through menopause but how do you know you're getting you know, a good resource versus a bad resource so you know just might always try and check if that is backed by backed by science many people say that makes really make sure that they they they're giving you good good resources but if i can just add on to what you're saying about community I think one of the key things here about changing this narrative about menopausal runners now is is that it is it's not just such a taboo thing. So you know, I have friends who are, are going through menopause, and if they're talking to each other about it, they don't feel as ostracized about it. You know, oh well, mm. I didn't run today as an example because I'm feeling absolutely fatigued and shattered. Okay, well, oh well, my hot flashes were so bad yesterday that I also didn't run, and I changed my run to rather do this and X, and you know, so so I think there is community and there's strength in community if if we can get that right, and that it's not a it's not a taboo thing. You know, you're still a, a very um, you know, important person in society because that's the way I felt. Menopause women are always just sort of left by the wayside, you know. So, yeah, just just know that there are resources out there for you and, yeah, that you can still get better and love your running. And exactly like you said, Nick, like whatever your best version of running is. Well, speaking of resources, I think we've got a resource coming our way with your, with your book. Um, once it is out and live, we'll make sure that we do share it with our listeners as well uh, through awesome. all of our Thank socials. You. And we wish you all the best with uh, getting the final preparations for, for the book out. Um, Thank is, you. Is there, is there anything that you feel like we haven't covered that you would have liked to cover in this episode? No, uh, I think I think we've hit the nail on the head, guys. Thank you. Um, maybe yeah, maybe just as a as a as a closing, I just yeah, just just want to say that it's do what you, there are resources out there to make your running and your life feel better. You know, utilize those. It, it of course takes work. If anyone's trying to sell you a a pill or something, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So really, just just look at that nicely. And 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 if you have never run and you've never done activity and now you're a little bit scared because I've scared you on your bone health or something, then then it's never too late to start either. So I think those are just two key points that I that I want to mention that that as women, yeah, I think we are very often, you know, from a from a marketing perspective, left left second best. And so uh, I want to change that narrative and just make sure that the menopausal runner is getting all the information that they need that is going to make them feel at their best so no but thank you guys for thank you for doing this podcast and and and, and focusing on such an important topic I, I really really appreciate that on your guys side thanks shona thank, thank you, you so, so much, much we, we appreciate you taking the time and i'm sure that our listeners are really going to find a lot of value in it and we wish you all the best with the holiday season brilliant thanks you guys too hope you have an awesome one thank you for listening to another episode of making a runner we hope you enjoyed it and found value in the show don't forget to rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform. And remember to share with your running buddies. Follow our journey on our socials and feel free to engage with us on all things running. We wish you a pleasant run wherever the road or trail may take you. Bye for now.